Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, this week's episode is one of the finest actors working today, without a doubt. Um, so pleased that this one worked out. Uh, Michael Fassbender is the guest on Happy, Sad, Confused this week. Michael uh, is in such a zone as an actor and you just feel like everything is clicking for him. He's in the new movie Frank, which is an odd kind of black comedy uh, in which Michael plays the entire film, virtually the entire film, in a giant paper mache mask head. Uh, He's part of a rock group uh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal and Donald Gleason in the film, and it's, um, it's a really cool, interesting piece of work that you guys should definitely check out. It's another awesome performance from Fassbender, who obviously has killed it in things like 12 Years a Slave and Shame, not, not to mention the X-Men films. Um, so I'm really not going to say much more except that it was such a pleasure to catch up with him. He's a smart guy, he's a guy with a, a wry, fun uh, sense of humor, uh, and he's always cool to catch up with. Um, he was in New York doing a bit of press, including a uh, performance on the Colbert Report, which you guys should definitely check out. Um, no singing in this one but just good conversation. Uh, as always, hit me up on Twitter, guys. Let me know what you think, at Joshua Horowitz with the hashtag HappySadConfused. And uh, no more preamble. Let's just dive right in. A really cool, fun conversation with uh, the man of the hour. This is his time, Michael Fassbender. Uh, in the spirit of the film, I feel like for the podca- podcast audience, we should... Uh explain our facial expressions as we go uh, <laughs> welcoming smile welcoming smile tired <laughs> satisfied <laughs> after breakfast look <laughs> N- nap needed look <laughs> <laughs> power nap on the way power nap 20 minutes away look <laughs> 30 i'm sorry they didn't tell you 30 <laughs> uh, it's a different kind of press tour this time around i mean for, i i love the colbert uh performance it was amazing uh you also don't get your I, last time i saw you you were with your buddy mcavoy and i feel like man from my perspective and anybody's perspective talking to you guys it was like I felt like it was the McAvoy Fassbender show, and you were just along for the ride when you guys were together. Oh, it's an interesting dynamic. That's cool. Um, yeah, I, you know, just it's it's lucky, you know, that uh, James and I just sort of, you know, hit it off really, and, and got so much respect for him, and uh, you know, care for him as 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 a person outside of the profession, but just working with him as well, it's just so easy, you know, yeah. and the, it's a, you know, it was very lucky because you know, part of the X-Men franchise together, uh, you know, would be, it would be awkward if, uh, if we didn't get along. <laughs> and You're masking it well, if you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, he's great. Uh, hopefully going to catch up with him soon. Uh, I know he was going to do another motorcycle track day uh, pretty soon. Is and that a bonding point for the two of you? Well, no, we've never, we've never actually gone together, which is the, the shame of it. He did a, a track day... Um, a couple of weeks before I did, and I just did it. Um, I don't know, two weeks ago or so. Yeah. Um, so we both sort of like our motorcycles, and I guess we pro- both like speed and adrenaline charged sort of things. So. Do you, do you travel around by motorcycle? You could do one of those Ewan McGregor <coughs> long way round joints. Yeah, <laughs> I did do five thousand miles um, through Europe with my dad back in two thousand and ten. Oh wow. And so we took about six weeks and went on the road. That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Actually. So, so uh, looking back, um, you and I, uh, I think the only point that we share in common is that we're we're virtually the same age. We, I'm 364 days older than you. 
okay. Michael. So you you evaded April first by a by a day. I'm an April Fool's oh. birthday boy. Uh, so I actually evaded it by half an hour. I think I was born 12:30, uh, just after midnight. <laughs> um, on the second, my dad was telling my mom to hang on. Uh, I would have liked to have been an April Fool, actually. I don't know if you would. I, I've lived it. I don't know. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of jokes. Sure, but like you know that that day, you know, you're at least you know it's a prankster day, <laughs> and you can enjoy being the prankster. It's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. You just have to get the better, you know, get April the better fools on people. Exactly. But you that's pressure. After 38 well, years, man, I'm, I keep well, on you've got a year. People. You've got a year to work on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um. So I'm curious. Since we're roughly the same age, I'm curious, like, what the cultural touchstones were for you growing up. Um, were you watching the same TV and films that I was? Uh, I was like, what were you? What Probably. Were I mean, because uh, well, in our in Ireland uh, at that point, um, well, down in the countryside, anyways. Um, we only had the two channels. It was RT1 and RT2. Right. And we got a lot of American programs. So it would be like Knight Rider, Chips, uh, The A-Team, um, you know, all of all of those sort of shows, Heart to Heart, Magnum P.I. <laughs> so you were into the hour long. So did you do the sitcoms? Did you, were you doing like the yeah. the, the Alfs and the, the Silver Spoons and different Silver strokes? Silver Spoons, and all of those as well, absolutely. Um Silver Spoons. What was the one? Is well, uh, what was the one where he drove around Ricky Schroeder yeah, and the, the that's Silver Spoons? That was Silver Spoons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so we got all of that. We didn't really get a lot of English programs. That was on sort of obviously the English channels, which you could get if you lived in Dublin, right? Um, <coughs> or you know, I used to see bits and pieces when I went up to to visit my relatives in the, the north of Ireland. Um, what, but what mainly American programs. What were the because I feel like for any like cinephile from my perspective or from obviously from your perspective, I know you're both a film lover and obviously a practitioner, but like there's a, there's a shift usually in a childhood when you like, you know, we're enjoying like the 80s schlock. I'm sure you and I were enjoying kind of like all those like action movies and stuff. But at a certain point, like I remember like watching the Godfather films on those double VHS sets mm -hmm. and like then going hardcore into everything Coppola. Like, do you mm -hmm. remember kind of like a demarcation moment where you kind of like went from movie lover to kind of film yeah film lover uh, it kind of happened at the same time really i mean obviously sort of you know was always watching films um but i think around the age of sort of 15 or 16 um really kind of started to approach it with more of a sort of um i don't know what the i just started to see it differently because i got introduced to those films from the 70s and American films from the 70s really was um, the, the main sort of launching pad for me to sort of getting into acting and sort of realizing that this is what I wanted to do. They kind of coincided in a weird way. I didn't, I, I just started getting into these films. And then at the same time, um, a past pupil of the secondary school that I went to, the high school that I went to, came back and started doing these um, drama and comedy classes. Right. So they both kind of happened at the same time. My mom introduced me to a lot of um, those films so really to be fair to her she was the one that kind of introduced me to Coppola and Scorsese and, and then the earlier films you know Montgomery Clift and sure. and um, and then some you know the Kazan films with the Brando and, and but it sort of happened around the same time and right. then I was you know became very obsessive about it very quickly so. yeah I would think you've had a chance I'm mean, obviously through like 
the parties and the award circuit and all that thing to 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 meet some of those early heroes too. I mean, have you have you talked to like a Coppola, a Scorsese, and and do you are you able to suppress the fifteen year old version of yourself that would go insane? Yeah, I don't think I really can suppress that fifteen year old most of the time. It's a uh it's kind of embarrassing. It's got me, it's put me in some embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> scenarios. But um, yeah, no, I did meet Scorsese, which was amazing. Um, we actually had a conversation at the urinal, which was. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who started the conversation? I think I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. This is Me those like embarrassing <laughs> stories you were just referring to 20 seconds ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I met him sort of previously uh, at another event, so I was just like, sort of, you know. Um, I was just reminding him of that <laughs> at the Arrival. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty funny. It was one of those moments to remember. That's tricky because he's shorter than you, so it looks like you're, well, you're staring down at him. Yeah, and yeah. that could be misconstrued. Thought I was, you know, tr- you know, sneaking a peek. <laughs> yeah. Hence why you haven't been in a Scorsese film yet, apparently. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually just watched Casino on the flight over here. Oh, amazing. Again, which I hadn't seen for a while. I feel like it got a short shrift at the time because it, Absolutely fe- it did, felt yeah. like, like I, I, on surface to be a Goodfellas retread, but in, in years since now, it, it, it's so it, good. It's an amazing film. It really is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an excellent piece of uh, filmmaking. Um, and yeah, he was a massive hero for me, Mean Streets, you know. Was, and then, of course, you know, well, we all know <coughs> his repertoire, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Mean Streets was a big big influence on me yeah. around that time as well you will and then a co- you know couple of course you know conversation godfather which arguably would be my favorite film actually godfather yeah yeah you look at that three-year period he had where it was god godfather conversation godfather 2 and it's absurd to think about that he he had two i think two of those were nominated for best picture in the same year literally it's amazing yeah and also the fact you know that he was cultivating Zoetrope and that whole yeah, cadre. And, yeah. you know, I think was such an influence on Lucas and all the, the guys that were coming up through and they really kind of did look at him as the sort of godfather of this new movement. So, yeah, absolutely. How, you know, amazingly influ- influential he was. And I remember him saying, you know, back in, I think around the time of Apocalypse Now, uh, you know, the future of filmmaking is some girl that picks up a ca- camera right. in Iowa and she can make a film, and that's what we've got now. You're absolutely right, yeah. You know, I yeah. think, you know, the only thing that's stopping that girl getting the film out there is the distribution, you know, but in terms of making a movie, it's never really been easier to do than now. You um, you mentioned, I mean, looking up to people. I, w- I was reading an article with, with Tom Hardy, and you guys went to the same drama school, correct? That's and, right, yeah. And he, he talked about, actually, you at the time being the guy that he frankly and others were looking up to as like kind of like who is who had the stuff i'm very flattered to hear that uh i you know i remember tom well i believe that i was in the third year and he was in the first year um and uh you know you could see that he was just very hungry then and um and i you know he was i think he yeah he was out of the school i think in his first year and we ended up doing um, Band of Brothers together. Sure, that yeah. was my first TV show, and and then Tom really accelerated fast from there. It, his it took me a while longer <laughs> to, to get off the ground, but uh, he just kind of yeah, he just sort of came out of the blocks. Though one could argue, I mean, he's talked about this, you know, extensively. Obviously, he had his troubles, and he kind of and the way he's kind of brought himself back and and turned his career back around where he's now killing it. I mean is remarkable absolutely it shows yeah. this fortitude I mean, of spirit first his personal life absolutely um, but uh, 
you know, I remember he came out of um, Band of Brothers and he got that Star Trek Nemesis movie, you know, pretty much straight away. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, was it an eye-opener for, for you? I mean, I've, I've heard you talk about this before, because, yeah, Band of Brothers, you know, this, it's going a little, a little ways back, and I know you came out uh, to L.A. And, and probably did a, a lot of auditioning. Were you, yeah. was that a, a wake-up call at the time to, sit, to, to realize, okay, it's not going to be, despite being in a Steven Spielberg-produced HBO prestige project, maybe I've got some more work to do? Um, well, I, yeah, there was a lot of buzz around the fact, you know, that we were in Band of Brothers, uh, and so, you know, f for the first, I think, you know, few months after we'd finished rapping, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting, you know, to, and to be able to say I'm in Band of Brothers, but then I think there was an onslaught of about 30 <laughs> guys <laughs> that were saying they were in, uh, <laughs> Band of Brothers, and it was like, you know, the novelty kind of, uh, wore off, but, uh, it was an exceptional thing to be part of for me, I mean, I felt so... So, and I still do feel very privileged to be playing real life heroes, number yeah. one, to, to, you know, especially the guy, you know, that I was playing. Obviously, we all feel, feel special, you know, close and have a closer affinity to the characters that we play. But uh, Pat Burton Christensen, you know, was a pretty extraordinary guy. Yeah. So to have the opportunity to play him, number one, and then just to work with that bunch of people and to see the production you know, value of that and the, and, and the sort of efficiency and the passion and basically, you know, the, the, the huge team in place working right. together to make this come to the forefront. It was, it was incredible. Did, did, you, did you go through a period of kind of like doing, you know, your rite of passage of the big Hollywood auditions at the time? And do you look back at Yeah, that I think that went on for about, you know, after Band of Brothers, I was 22 when I did that. I think, you know, I was then very sporadically working like six months I get a gig another six months later I get it you know two days on a TV thing and it kind of went like that for about five years and I so you know I was working in, in and out behind the bar and various different jobs and then at about 27 I I remember I didn't have to do other jobs to make a living that's a turning point that was, yeah, absolutely. I was like, you know, I kept saying, I was like, you know, just to get, you know, be jobbing. I'm good enough to be working. I'm good enough to be working. I'm good enough to be working. Aren't I? Am I? <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah. And then, I, you know, since 30, the last seven years have been. It's been amazing. It's been yeah. incredible. It, it's also interesting because, you know, I've talked to a lot of actors who, who talk about, like, the reality of the situation is, you know, a lot of journalists ask, ask people, why did you choose this role, et cetera. And frankly, for a lot of actors, there's not much choice. They're, they're taking kind of what's available because yeah. they are jobbing actors and they're just yeah. trying to make a living. You're in, you're in, frankly, a very privileged situation the last couple of years where you're getting to work with insanely talented filmmakers and you do have choice. Mm -hmm. And I would think... I don't know. I wonder if, if, if there's, like, a pressure and, like, oh, my God, this is what I always dreamed of. But now it's all on me. Now I actually have to, not only do I have to deliver, but I have to make the right decisions. No, you know, I kind of, again, I learned a lot doing Hunger and working with Steve. You know, this idea of like, you know, listen, you know, we're all going to die. And it's like, yeah, I work hard prepping something. And I really, when we're filming it, I hope that I leave everything on the floor at the end of the day. Right. And then, you know, I walk away. I mean, like, I, I remember... 
I've been, I waited, you know, long enough to be in this position. So when it happened, I was like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for this, and I'm going to work hard. And I realize how lucky I am to be in this position because it wasn't there before. So I'm not going to abuse it and uh, and be lazy. So the worst thing for me is if I walk walk away from a day's work and I was like, you know, I made a mess of that because. I didn't put in the work. Right, not because of the wrong choice, but just yeah, because that's gonna ha you know, days, you know, you're not. It's impossible. Well, maybe it's not impossible, but for me to get, you know, to yeah, even any day to get it right, you're always striving to to do the best. But it's you never. I'm never gonna reach what I wanted to get. But right. hopefully, you get closer or uh, something that's acceptable. But. Also, it's really, I think for me, very important not to get stifled by that idea of, oh my God, this has to be a success or this has to be a success. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm t I want to stretch things, learn, take risks, do things that excite me and hopefully are, I, you know, other people find them interesting stories. But I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to get stifled by the fear of right. something not working or, you know, have I made the right choice here? Once I make a choice, I go for it. And yeah. then it's like, there's no regrets. It's, it's you know, move forward, try and learn. <laughs> I find like sometimes I'm a little bit like a mouse that keeps going back electric electrocuting himself. <laughs> I don't really know, do I learn that much patterns of behavior? Um, <laughs> well, but that, I mean, that does speak to obviously the choice to do a film like this because like on the Hollywood guidebook, it wouldn't say, you know, do this small, quirky, black comedy, paper mache wearing, <laughs> mask wearing character yeah. at this time, certainly this time in your career. And yet... Yeah, but the Hollywood guy, I think, you know, the one thing that I've learned about films is there are no rules. Yeah. And what was, you know, something that was unacceptable at one point is, you know, the norm now or, you know, a formula that did work before just doesn't work anymore, you know. Yeah. You write your own rules, I think, and just got to stay true to what what um, my gut tells me and when I read this script you know for the first time I was like what is you know like I say it was like I was like what is this this yeah. is I, you know totally bizarre and just really refreshing and like I say had me laughing and then had me sort of you know um, Reaching for the Kleenex, <laughs> no, so, so you know, there's, yeah. a, you know, it's it's those sort of things that you want to get out of a story, I guess. Did yeah. you feel a little helpless in that mask? Because uh, the the physicality is, is is fascinating to watch, especially on stage. There's almost like a little kind of like a, a stiffness in a, in a way to his performance. But then at other times off stage, Frank kind of needs the assistance of others to even like manage. Yeah, I think it, you know that's exactly what what you say a stiffness, and then a sort of also uh, a a confidence that reverts back into an introverted character that becomes extroverted, that goes back, <laughs> you yeah. know, I was always trying to stretch with that and play with that elasticity of, of, of an extrovert and an introvert and um, somebody that could be quite confident and sort of um, sure. And then in all of this in the body language and then somebody who is very unsure. Yeah. And like you said, almost like uh, an invalid at times that needs to be sort of, you know, guided around. Right. And a dependency and then an independence. You know, there's lots of things that I was trying to sort of flip and play with, you know, with this idea of like a really extreme bipolar case, you know, in there. So like by the time he gets to South by Southwest, he's worked himself so 
so high and the, the euphoria is there just before the crash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely, the physicality was, it's always important for me when I'm sort of, you know, trying to get into a character, try and find how they move. If they're yeah. a farmer, they move a certain way. If you sit at an office desk all day, you move a certain way, hold yourself a certain way. But this time, I, you know, I just had to amp it up and dial it in a little more because I, the, 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 the expression of state of mind or emotional state was coming from the neck down. Right. So uh, he's also got a very sweet, sad scream by the end. Yeah, yeah, that was like something <laughs> I just wanted. Is that your actual wanted, scream? Yeah, I just wanted to get something that was really primal and sounded like an animal almost. That sort of some, you know, that or, you know, I always remember sort of growing up um, um, down. We, we grew up in the countryside, and there was lots of rabbits around the area that I grew up, and there was also stoats, which are like weasels. Right. And I remember whenever a stoat would catch a rabbit, that was the sort of sound. It was a high-pitched sort of scream, and um, just reminded me of that. I thought, you know for that moment for Frank, you know. It's a shock to the system. It's kind of... Yeah, it's just, it's like paralyzing. Yeah. It's like, you know. Um, recent guest of, of the podcast here was uh, Daniel Radcliffe, who has talked to me and uh, with others at length about the Fassbender test. Have you heard about this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, uh, again, <laughs> deeply flattered and, uh, and sort of, yeah. So you have integrity, apparently, in the eyes of, of others. That's, a, that's that, a good thing. That's great. I mean, that's great. Hopefully, um, you know, it, it'll last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was, uh, like I said, very sort of humbled by that. Sweet. Did um, you, you got a, a bit of attention, ironically, for withdrawing a little bit the last, quote-unquote, award season. Um, yeah. I mean, was that was too much made of that? I mean, what, 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 did, did you get turned off by the kind of, like, glad-handing of a couple years back and... And, uh, or was it just sort of, I mean, no, you were also working. I think you were doing Macbeth at the time, right? Like, yeah, I think, you know, everybody's always looking for a story or an <coughs> angle, and that was one that, you know, that, that, that obviously ran because of one thing I said in, in an article, in the GQ article. Um, you know, basically, I, you know, I have nothing against any of that. Yeah. And, you know, fair play to anybody who gets involved in it, and I totally understand all of it. It's just for me, <coughs> working was more of an attractive prospect, having done both. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was very, very important for me to get Slow West made. It was the first DMC production. I put a lot of time and energy into trying to get, you know, that company sort of up and running and working with writers, working with projects. And so as a priority, it just was, it was higher up for me. But it's nothing against any of the academy or <laughs> any of the members or any of that you know right. it's just i had to do At a job down day. i had to do a job down in new zealand and right. i know that you know going on that campaign it requires a lot of energy and focus and it's yeah. four or five months so it's um that's that's the amount of time that i could make prep and make a film you know? uh, i got the chance to spend a good amount of time recently uh with Jack Rayner uh, for all those crazy Transformers things, you know, these yes, worldwide yes, yes. crazy stuff. Yeah, uh, it's great for him. Uh, it, uh, exciting opportunity for him, obviously. And uh, mm -hmm. you got obviously worked together on Macbeth, which yes. looks, even just from the print materials, looks like it's going to be fantastic. Scary. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'll, I'll get to see something, I think, when I get back to, to Europe. <coughs> uh, so they, they decided to call it Macbeth and not something else? Uh, fear of superstition, nothing? Um. 
I'm pretty sure they're going with the title. <laughs> Are you super, uh, a superstitious type? Does it not apply to when you're making the movie? Because a lot of people, when they've obviously gone on stage, they've been quite superstitious about even referring to it. <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't before, but like little things would happen in the film, you know, during the filming. Certain things that, uh, you know, made one think, oh my God. So at a certain point, you know, I think we d it was changed to the Scottish film. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, that play is. For me, it's my favorite Shakespeare play, and it's, you know, you are evoking um, whatever it is, you know, darker spirits or the underworld or yeah. whatever, you know, you want to call it. And, and it's, you know, it's such a particular piece that deals with sort of, you know, grieving death and two people trying to find themselves again in a relationship, having lost a child. And... Yeah. and um, it's and, and, and Cotillard, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's extraordinary. Yeah, and you know, for me, and certainly Justin and Marion, you know, we talked about them, you know, the murder of Duncan, it being such a huge act and something that the both of them were so, you know, it was a pact between them that, yeah. they, that it was almost the murder was, you know, they were trying to get, bring themselves back together through such a heinous deed. Right. And I've got, you know, for a brief moment, it happens, but then everything unravels from there, as we know. Uh, you know, that's how the play goes. But just that the idea of two people trying to find themselves through a murder, again, to reconnect as a, as a husband and wife. Do you want to uh, do some stage work soon? I know it's been, I think it's been a while since you've done something on stage, It right? sure has. <laughs> <laughs> I think 2006 was the last time I did something on the stage. I will do it, but... Uh, is it again just not, sort of like not, the opportunities are there right now and you can't, it's hard to say no to there's just the so Scots, et cetera, of the world? You know, abso absolutely. You know, there's only so much I can do. Um, and, you know, like I said, the DMC stuff, I really want to push that forward. Assassin's Creed, you know, working on these things, trying to get them right and really trying to bring something special for, for the audience. So, you know, at the moment, I'm really kind of just up to my eyeballs and, and all of that. I will definitely go back and do something. I enjoy it. It was something that I've always felt very comfortable with me. I started off doing pantomime, pub theater, yeah. and amateur sort of, you know, dramatics. And then I, you know, put together, you know, Reservoir Dogs at 18, directed that. And then I went, you know, played Oedipus at the next sort of school and Mother Courage. So, you know, I was very comfortable. But then I went to drama school in London and it was again a very theater based education. Right. So we were doing all the classics, you know, Shakespeare, Seneca, and we didn't get much time in front of a camera. And film was my original drawing to becoming an actor. It right. was like all those films we were talking about earlier in the 70s, you know, right. Macopolis, Scorsese, Lumet. Um, so that was the origin for me. So then when I, you know, when I left drama school in London, I said, look, I really, you know, I need to learn now. I need to get in front of a camera and start to develop a relationship with the camera and understand that. And that was really my focus. And kind of, I guess it didn't really sway too much yeah. for the last <laughs> 15 years. Right. But I will definitely go back. But I just don't know when. It's got to be the right thing. And um, yeah, again, it's got to be the right person to, to direct. Is there a, are you still as much of a film consumer now? I mean, do you still watch a lot and? <coughs> not as much, no, Yeah. not as much. I kind of, you know, find, again, my time is, is there's less of it. <laughs> so when I do have some time off, I try and do things like get to track 
and li live your life as opposed to well yeah just kind of you know get involved in stuff yeah you know I mean I think you know the danger perhaps for an actor that's like working like I am is that I start to lose touch with actually living and right. that's where I'm you know supposed to be drawing experience <laughs> from so if I'm drawing you know if I'm doing make-believe all the time then that's all I'm drawing from is make-believe right. so I try and inject re you know into just doing the, the act of doing things I, I don't want to say you're losing touch but the fact that you're just wearing wall to wall leather and and uh and fur right now it's just it's a little disconcerting yeah i know but it makes me comfortable and, uh, <laughs> that's the main thing <laughs> and i was lying just for the record <laughs> not really but he is but he's not am i <laughs> you'll never know <laughs> um Prometheus, are you anxious to reteam with? This will be your third collaboration with Ridley. Yeah, I just had um, dinner with him there uh, last week, and uh, just love, love Ridley. It's just such. It's incredible watching him on set and watching him sort of work, uh, especially with the with such with such an operatic type of thing like Prometheus and such yeah. on such a big scale, such a large crew and. Just to see how he his dialogue with each different department—it's just incredible. It's like a James Cameron in that way. They, were really, they always mm -hmm. say about James that he like can do every job on a set as well or better than anybody else. Yeah, you know, it's just like I was talking to you know uh, the one of the stunt guys, um, um, Rob Inch, uh, who sort of worked on a good few things with uh, with Ridley now, and he was just saying you know he was talking through. Uh, an action sequence and Ridley was like yeah yeah just sort of doodling away and he sort of you know, finished the, the explaining the ac action sequence and Ridley just sort of lifted up a piece of paper and he was like so that's what you're talking about <laughs> and he basically storyboard the whole thing you know he's uh, he's incredible I, I hope they give a I mean the, the obviously Prometheus Prometheus did well but like I feel like the fanboys came out and they it became a divisive film and it's a gorgeous looking film it's an amazing film and uh and you know it it's, has audiences divided yeah. which you know is more interesting than people walking away that um are indifferent tis you true. know at least <laughs> it's tis true it's true it's true it's true you know at least there's conversations then you know people can argue at a dinner table or you know after they come out of the movie theater they're talking about it later that's 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 always good Absolutely. Uh, I don't know why I, I lapsed into a little. Maybe it was, it was the it was, it the, was Macbeth the Shakespeare. Talk. Exactly, it's the bard, isn't? Yeah. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you, Michael. Congratulations, honestly, Frank. Uh, uh, I totally dug it. It's uh, as you say, uh, funny but also um, pointed in the end, and, and and fine work and screaming and singing throughout. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to see you, man. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks.